Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Gunning for the Second Amendment. One of the bulletin boards that I hang out on is a forum for actors, improvisers to be precise, and and being artists, they tend to be lefties, almost all of them. Some are to the left of John Lennon, some are to the left of Vladimir Lennon, and of course, whenever there's a shooting, all the gun grabbers come out and talk about how we need more gun control to save us from scary people. And someone made a post there that was one of the most perfect combinations of willful ignorance and wishful thinking that I've ever seen. He said, The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed doesn't mean what it says. A little pause there to let that sink in. It doesn't mean what it says. Well, I hate to tell you this, buddy, but it means exactly what it says. It says that the people should be able to keep and bear arms. Now, a lot of folks have spent a lot of time using the reason given to try and twist the meaning of those very clear words. The Second Amendment is the only one that has a reason. And the reason is because the Founding Fathers were afraid of two things. They were afraid of a standing army. They really wanted a citizen army, a militia, to defend the country should need be. And they needed to be skilled with their weapons. That's what well-regulated meant in the vernacular of the time. But they also wanted armed citizens because they considered that to be the bulwark of a defense against the government becoming too tyrannical. Please don't take my word for it. Read the writings of the Founding Fathers. They're easy to find. They're online. Start with the Federalist Papers. Then read some of the writings of Jefferson and Washington and Franklin and any of the Founding Fathers. And you'll see that they realized that it was important for the citizens to be able to defend themselves. That was one of the natural rights that they believed in. And as to their fear of the government becoming too tyrannical, take a look around, friends. Is the government more tyrannical now than it was three years ago? Five years ago? Ten years ago? Do you see a trend here? Do you find it a little scary? I know I certainly do. Now let's look at a few facts about this Virginia Tech shooting. The first fact is that this guy was obviously a whack job, but this wasn't unknown. In fact, a court had already ruled that he was a whack job. And if that ruling had been put into the database that's used by gun store owners to determine whether they can sell a gun to somebody, he wouldn't have been able to buy his weapon. At least, he wouldn't have been able to buy it legally. Another fact is that the law of supply and demand is such that wherever there is a demand, there will always be a supply, and people like him and criminals will always be able to get a hold of a gun. But at least there would have been something to slow him down a little bit. Once again, the government fails to protect its citizens. Another fact is that that school is a gun-free zone, and so there was nobody there who could shoot back. One of the heroes of this event was an elderly Jewish professor who had survived the Holocaust. 
And when he saw that there was no soul behind those eyes, he blocked the way, and that allowed his students to escape. And he was shot and killed. What would have happened if he had had a weapon? What would have happened if any of those students or teachers had had a weapon? Oh, he probably would have gotten a few shots off still. He probably would have killed a few people. But it's doubtful that he would have killed as many. Now, I can hear the gun grabbers now. They're out there saying, Oh, you just want everybody to be armed and carrying guns, and it'll be like the Wild West, and everybody will be shooting everybody, and it'll be scary, and we won't be able to leave our houses. And I say, Shut the hell up, and don't take that tone with me. The fact of the matter is that in states where you have concealed carry and people are able to get permits easily, you don't have big shootouts. They're not any more dangerous than any other states. In fact, if you look at the crime numbers, they're usually considerably less dangerous because if anybody might be armed, that's a good disincentive for a criminal to attack them. This has been proven time and time again. When you restrict the ability of law-abiding citizens to have guns, only the criminals have guns. It's a cliche because it's true, and crime always goes up. Sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot, but just about always, you'll see it go up quite a bit. Now, when you're discussing this, of course, with the people who don't like the Second Amendment, who don't like citizens being able to defend themselves, one of the things you'll hear a lot is gun deaths. And whenever you hear that phrase, the person that you're dealing with is dishonest and is probably lying to you about other things as well. If you look at gun deaths anywhere, particularly, let's say, the United States, you look at gun deaths and the majority of them are suicides. So if you take guns out of the hands of the citizens, all these citizens, these law-abiding citizens that want to kill themselves, they have to use other methods. The number of suicides don't go down but the number of gun deaths do. And you're going to say, oh, look, this dramatic decrease in gun deaths. But they never look at burglaries and rapes and homicides in general. Of course, the news media were blasting this guy's picture everywhere, and that was all you could see was his manifesto and his photographs. And if you looked at his eyes, if you looked at his eyes, they were the eyes of a shark. There was... No real soul behind there. He had weird, strange, funny eyes. And this seems to be a distinguishing characteristic of most criminals, most violent criminals at least. Go to the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list, and they actually have a couple of lists there. They have lists of the most wanted pedophiles and the most wanted terrorists and the most wanted people in general. And in 90% of the cases... They've got funny eyes. They've got really funny eyes in most cases. You just look at them. You just look at them and you know, man, there is something wrong there. So I'd like to propose legislation that makes it illegal to sell a gun or to sell ammunition to anybody with funny eyes. We don't have to define that. You know it when you see it. It's funny eyes. Let's try that for a while and see how it works out. Because, folks, I believe that banning weapon sales to people with funny eyes will be every bit as effective as any other kind of gun control 
here in the United States. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been Smartinized. Lots and lots of email this round. Uh, thank you all for sending it in. And apologize to those that I'm unable to address directly on the show. There's just too much of it. I get hardly any calls on the 206-203-4488 line. That's 206-203-HIT. And sometimes the ones that I do are kind of long and rambling and I can't really use them. But this gentleman has mastered the use of the media. This is his message in its entirety. Mr. Hitt, how many libertarians does it take to stop a Nazi panzer division? The answer, of course, is none. The market will take care of it. Have a nice day. Perfect. That's the way to use that line. So to go through some of the emails, I got some good responses on the April Fool's broadcast at the end of April as a bonus episode because at the beginning of April, yeah, I wouldn't have caught any of you, but it caught quite a few of you, it looks like. Here's one from Christopher Hoff who says, let me say I love your podcast and have been listening for, well, nearly the beginning, but to the point, please smartenize me on this Saudi Arabia thing. I had heard some stuff on a terrorist plot uncovered, but haven't been able to find anything on the irradiated refugees. Can you help point me in the right direction? I googled, but can't find anything. And then, or, oh, damn, I guess I should have waited until the end of the podcast before starting to write to you. Got me good. I salute you, both for the joke and the great stuff you're doing with your podcast. I wrote back and thanked him for the letter, and he replied, to tell you the truth, if it weren't for that weapons cache the Saudis found a week or so ago, I probably wouldn't have fallen for it, but it was time just right to sit at the edge of my mind with the memory of the terrorist find and make me go nuts Googling. Another listener writes in and says, Thanks for making my day a little more surreal. Well, you know I love to make things a little more surreal. Regular listeners know what I'm talking about. First-time listeners, go check out the episode, Please Bring Me a Fleming phone book. If you can make somebody's day a little more surreal, the trick is to do it when it's unexpected and not to do it a lot, just once in a while to make their day a little more interesting. Christina writes fairly often, and she sent me a very long email uh, talking about uh, gun control and uh, some of the issues that uh, were addressed in this episode. But talking to one of the past ones, she says, I only listen to one source of news, NPR. I listen on the way to work. I have about an hour of commute. I can't bring myself to listen or watch any more news than that because it's depressing. I think most of the bias is mild, and what I like about NPR is that the commentary is pretty obvious. And I'm editing this as I read along because it is a fairly long letter. Strange that you would call a single source of news unsmartenized. I would think that the unsmartenized label mostly applies to people who just don't think about what they hear. I think. Sometimes I disagree with what I hear on NPR, but the truth is, I don't listen to any source of news or information to affirm my deeply held beliefs. As a matter of fact, I'm beginning to discover I have very few beliefs, and almost none of them are deeply held. I just want a general idea of what's going on in the world, and if it seems like I should know more, I Google it. Well, if you're Googling it, 
then NPR is not your sole source of news, which is good. The problem, even if you're listening to NPR and you've got a good bullshit meter and you're filtering out the crap, the problem that you're running into is that you are not hearing all of the stories. You're only hearing the stories that NPR thinks are important, and you're only hearing them from NPR's point of view. For instance, there's a lot of stuff going on on campuses now where conservative speakers are being drowned out, not even being allowed to speak by chanting students who are trying to disrupt their talks and sometimes driving them off the stage. You're not hearing about that on NPR, are you? I think one of the best examples of skewed views was a couple of uh, Terry Gross interviews. She did one with Al Franken and she was so completely in love with this guy, I expected to hear slurping halfway through the interview. Then she did one on Bill O'Reilly, which she just attacked him. All she did, she just had reams of articles saying he was a bad guy and demanding he respond to every single one of these. And he finally just got sick of it and he hung up on the interview and that was the end of it. And then she finished out her time by finishing the article that she was attacking him with, number 43. She did such a hatchet job that NPR officially apologized. She didn't have the class to do it, but the official ombudsman for NPR did. So I'm not saying that, you know, you should spend every day watching news from sources that you don't agree with, with biases that you don't like, but once a week or so you should, because that's the only way you're really going to get a good, solid view of what's going on. Mike Teague writes in, I get most of my news from FARC.com. It's a news aggregator, so their news is from all over the spectrum. Well, FARC is a lot of fun. Lots of weird news on there, and some new stories will pop up there from time to time. They're you know, really legitimate news. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool place to go for your news. I'll read Fox News as well as CBS's website. Well, that's good. There you're getting a conservative view and a liberal view, and, and that's cool. You're going to be getting a full mix of stories. I won't, however, click on any link that originates from Yahoo News. I disagree with their Chinese business practices. Boy, I can't complain with you on that. I was all set to sign up for their uh, version of Google AdWords. And uh, then they handed stuff over to the Chinese government uh, that was used as evidence to put people away in Chinese prisons. At least two people are in Chinese prisons because of Yahoo. So, yeah, I won't do business with them either. And he says, sometimes I'll read Slate.com, but I'll listen to their podcast whenever they put one out. Slate's a pretty good news source. Very opinionated and uh, very well written. Scott, with no last name, writes in and says, Can you help me find a few sources stating the quality of medical care is much lower in countries with socialized health care? He did a podcast on it, but having some hard proof would be nice. Good going, Scott. Don't take my word for anything. Don't take anybody's word for anything. Get out there and do your own research. I just Googled uh, socialized medicine and found a whole bunch of articles on it. Of course, using that as your search term, you're going to get the more derogatory articles. But yeah, if you get out there and do a little research yourself, you're going to find that it's not all that it's cracked up to be by those who are proclaiming that it's wonderful. And Ted Clark writes in about universal health care. He says, my ex-wife and I lived in England from 74 to 79. She needed a medical procedure. We were going to use national health, and the earliest the procedure could be scheduled was six months. 
I asked about going private pay, and the doctor literally said, we can schedule it next week. Yeah, that's pretty common, and that's one of the biggest problems with socialized health care, is that the health care has to be rationed, and it's, uh, it's not a pretty thing, ever. Hey, you want to hear your email read? Hell, you got to send it to me, hitman at davehit.com. You will find the exact spelling of that in the MP3 tags of this file. Or you can go to davehit.com, that's spelled with two T's, and you'll find links all over the place, as well as some other stuff. I, about the only part of that website that I still update regularly is the podcast part. Uh, I've got a little blog there. I probably put stuff in there every two months. And I don't think I put a fresh article on the front page in a year and a half, but I do have some stuff I want to put up there. But come on over, check it out. Click on some of the Google links there. Uh, makes me a little bit of money. And also, 206-203-4488. That's 206-203-HIT. And if that's short and pithy enough, you may hear it in the closing comments. And as always, of course, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.